2: We're converting people one stomach at a time to what fresh food can taste like.
3: You use whatever you can use and you respect every bit of it.
2: You know, if it's in season you use it.
3: We need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and
1: what it's doing before we can start putting things on dishes. Hello, I'm Stefan Postuma, and welcome to another episode of the Quicksand Food Connection. Today, I talk to Chris and Sally from Mount Ashby Estate Winery just outside Mossvale. There's a lot of elements to Mount Ashby Estate. They make wines, they make sauces, they make preserves, and they've got a great little cafe from which they contributed a couple of recipes to the Southern Highlands cookbook. Uh, They also have an antique business on site, and they make French tables out of old French oak. Um, It's a multifaceted business, and I really enjoyed talking to Chris and Sally, so please enjoy the conversation with Chris and Sally from Mount Ashby Estate. So Sally and Chris from um, Mount Ashby Estate, thanks so much for being a part of this Southern Islands cookbook and contributing. Very excited to have you on board. Um, Chris, I think the first thing, do you want to just tell us a bit about the estate, about the history and, and how it all started?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, we uh, purchased the property in 1999 uh, we planted the grapes in '99. Uh, first vintage we had was 2003, and uh, 2004 we won the uh, award for the best wine in the region, the gold medal for a botrytis wine of uh, w- one of our two varieties, one being Pinot Gris and the other one being Merlot. Um, in 2006, we opened the cellar door um, and there was a requirement that we provided food um, with wine. it's a legislation and we've taken that uh, to uh, a, a much bigger scale than we ever would have expected at the time. Uh, we've got uh, we've always had certain items on the menu, and Sally can talk about those rather than myself. But what we're trying to do always is to have food that does work well with the wines that we produce and also to provide food that wouldn't normally be something that somebody would be able to make at home, you know, in a in a regular meal basis. And you'd better talk about that a bit more, mm-hmm. Sal. Yeah, if you want to talk a bit about the menu, Sally.
3: Uh, yes, we uh, when we opened in two thousand and six, the actually the cellar door was the old dairy, and our uh, I wanted to retain it and just improve it the look of it, and our builder looked at me, strangely, and he said, "I think we'll just knock the whole bloody thing down, and start again," which we did. So it's a totally new building, uh, well, ten years old, and um, it doesn't we, look like an old
2: it, building though
3: doesn't look like a new building it looks like an old Sorry. building yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then with the requirements to serve food with the cellar door at, at wine tastings I thought well I think I'll do riets and be really generous big chunky lumps of bread and they can put it on the put the riette on the bread and that's the food and then somebody said to us do you think we could have lunch and I didn't have anything else for lunch but we put We increased it to a charcuterie plate with, you know, cold cuts of meat and things like that. Um, And then I think the following uh, winter, we put a a soup, the souffle was maybe the next one. And because we're largely gluten-free, it's a bit of a fiddle trying to make recipes for regular people into gluten-free and suitable for celiacs. Uh, Anyway, we got the souffle right, and it's still on the menu. We've Fantastic. taken it off once or twice and got into dreadful trouble from people that said. One fellow said, "I've come all the way from Canberra to have your soufflé." Yeah. Um, so, um, and as Chris says, I try to keep the food more interesting. I won't put chicken on the menu because you can buy it in Woolworths, Coles, any, and everybody eats it a couple of nights a week at home. So we don't have chicken. Yeah. But um, even the the slow cooked lamb, it's cooked for. 15 hours well that's hard for a normal you know for somebody to do um, at home or it's just something that people tend not to do and the duck confit that's you know we've got into a routine now with that we don't find it difficult at all but to do it at home, it is just a bit of a fiddle. Yeah, it's a bit of a
1: labour of love. One of those Sunday Sunday afternoon. Yes, um, and
3: we get huge compliments on the mm, duck confit, don't mm, we? Yeah, yeah, we
1: do. That's great. And and one of the dishes that we shot for the book today was the duck confit. Do you want to just talk a bit about, you know, some of the components on there and um, sort of how you came up with it and things?
3: Uh, well, the duck is um, it's it's salted. It's a, a method of preserving meat um, in France from you know hundreds of years ago. And it's salted, and then um, left for twenty four hours, and then slow cooked in duck fat. Yep. Um, and then we, and then it's it's recooked again when we serving it to somebody to people. The it's served with a um, sweet potato um, puree, and the sauce is actually a plum a citrus and and plum sauce that I that I make, um, and we sell on the through my produce line, same with some of the chutneys. I, I sell those, I make them yeah. and sell them with the produce. Yeah, that's great. Um, it it's great good.
1: that um, people can have a dish that's off the menu, have a sauce like your plum sauce or something and then take some home with them, you know, if they enjoy it. And then I guess that, that rather than just having the conversation about what, what they had for lunch with their friends after they, uh, when they return home or whatever, they can say, oh, we got some beautiful plum sauce that we had on our duck and it yes. sort of makes the whole yes, experience exactly. a bit more... The
3: chutneys, they're served with the charcuterie plate and another one, the apricot one, is served with the um, terrine. Lovely. And people say, oh, that was divine, I'll take a bottle. And yep. then oh I'll take one from my mother too, or my sister. Yeah. Uh, um so it's that's quite good. We sometimes get phone calls from people before they come to say can we buy local produce at your place? Oh, that's cool. So it is it's it's quite good.
2: Yeah. And of course what I'm trying to do is to get them to buy the wine. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic.
1: Um just quickly Sally we'll move on to the second dish that we shot for the book today which was your uh, lavender infused bavois. Buf- yeah do you want to talk a bit about that um,
3: one? well it's it won't be on the menu for very long because our lavender has been hit by the rain yeah and we use the lavender flowers to infuse with the cream um, before prior to making it and we would do we do summer fruits with cherries and um, raspberries and strawberries um in a in a a juice which has some spices and um a little bit of rose in it um so and it's been very popular but it's very seasonal
2: But you can because we you can infuse with other seasonal
3: well we did one once with bay leaf Yep. because we didn't have lavender. And we thought, well, baboia was so popular, let's do it with bay leaf. Yep. And that was popular.
2: Yeah. That was good. What else can you do it with?
3: Oh, you could do it with all sorts of things. You could do rosemary. Things. You could do all sorts um, You of could things. do thyme. Yeah. You could do rosemary. Yeah. But we it's do, a simple dish, isn't we it? We do the rosemary. I do the rosemary and beetroot, or beetroot and rosemary chutney. So you don't want to do the same herbs all the way through. Yeah. Uh, and the lavender, it grows just there. Yeah. So it's quite rather nice to be able to use something that we actually grow. And even with the beetroot, I grow the beetroot for the chutneys.
1: Yeah, you've got it. I see some of your vegetables and herbs that you have around, and, like, I think... it's a nice sort of privilege to be on an estate where you can grow some of your own things mm. and to be able to use them in your kitchen. It's a nice connection to, you know, the produce that you I use. I tried
3: to grow the carrots to serve with the lamb, but they ended up looking like octopus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of an art to get in <laughs> carrots, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, the so soil. We, we don't do that.
1: Mm. And, and you said on the rest of the farm you've got dairy cattle.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, you
3: can't see any today, can you?
2: I mean, we're, uh, over the road from us is probably one of the biggest dairy farms in the area. Yeah. And most of the cattle are stud cattle. Um, and his, the cattle are here. Uh, we love them. We call them our girls. <laughs> and uh, Sally likes it because she knows none of them are going to get eaten, that they're actually there to produce milk. Uh, we looked many years ago at setting up a cheese factory. Uh, that uh, didn't come to fruition. Um, and we are always on the lookout for, for products made from local milk, if we can find it. Yeah. it's, it's difficult. It, it's getting, anyway, we're working on that. That's, mm. that's work in progress. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes
1: to dairy farming, you, you can't get much nicer sort of grazing, grazing country no, than, just, than the Southern Highlands. Mm. It's no. just the richest soil. And the this, this
2: part of the Highlands is so consistent. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, five weeks ago it looked like a desert out there because we hadn't had rain and then, boom, you know, we got the rain and it's bright green and we're madly mowing, you know, yeah. slashing, <laughs> mowing. So this, and this <laughs> has
3: been a dairy farm. It was dairy farm of the year in...
2: 1959, 59,
3: ...59 or, fi- or four, 54. Yeah. And the same family had been on it since about 1950. Wow. Right up till uh, just a couple of years before we bought it. Okay. And we still have the same family adjusting their cattle on it
2: mm-hmm. yeah and if you go back in history uh, th- this was one of the original properties all around us was settled by the Throsby family and Throsby came out on the first fleet and basically it was, was awarded a 10,000 he was a doctor I think and he was awarded 10,000 acres and this the old Throsby house is up behind us These stables behind us are Clydesdale stables Um, And so all the work would have been done in the paddocks in those days with great big horses. Uh, So it's got a really interesting history. Uh, Yeah, it's nice to be part of it. And obviously the old store there that we transported across from Barrel that... uh, that's where Aldi is now but that that store is the original barrel produce store so
1: the store the store that we're looking at the the old barn and it's another element of the business out here at Mount Ashby do you want to tell us a bit about what you've got in there and and (laughs) how how that's come to be
3: (laughs) Sal well that's really me I suppose. I when we bought the farm and we planted the grapes we realized that there were really no vineyards out here except for us there was one at Sutton Forest and we knew from being from travelling around and looking at cellar doors and vineyards that you go you go to a little a group of cellar doors, you visit a group during a day and um, we thought, well there's no more out here. Why would people come out just to see us? Uh, so we thought, Well, we'll when we got the produce store, we thought, well, why don't we put Um, something of interest for people not everybody wants to taste wine so those that don't want to taste wine could go and look at antiques and I went into antiques in about 2000 a little bit before that maybe and um, decided I'd specialise in tables well tables are actually quite difficult to find um, for the right size and the right height Um, so I started making them and now I bring, along with the antiques, when well, they come in from France largely, although I do have some Italian and some French things in there and Spanish actually too, but I make the tables. I bring the trees in from France as trees, not as as you know, packs of timber, as trees. And then I can make tables to whatever size people require and more or less whatever colour,
2: yeah. largely in oak. And thickness. And thickness. Mm. So French oak. French oak. Ma- mainly French oak. And then the, the tables are aged uh, to give the appearance that they've been used for hundreds yeah. of years. And Sally's the expert ager. <laughs> um, we we uh, In fact, I had a phone call yesterday from somebody saying that they just had a table made, um, a French provincial table made. By and, somebody. And by somebody. I don't know who made it and it what they weren't happy with it because it didn't look old and could we please age it for them <laughs> uh, and i said well you know at a price let send me a photo we'll have a look at it and see if we can help you but i said we mainly in fact we specialize in in european french timber so it's unlikely that if, if it's been made from a gum or something like that that we can do much for yeah them. okay that's interesting. I
1: think the French oak's a nice connection to the vineyard and oh, the I wines. And
2: well, it all it
3: ties is. in together. Yeah. And, and, and a, that's really why we're... We've, yeah. I've got French heritage, but um, I don't speak French, i other than a tiny bit. But it's all a French, this theme. There's a lot of Italian around, but not a lot of French. So we thought, oh, well, we'll just do the whole thing a little bit French.
1: Yeah, no, and it's it's great and i think having having a theme or or something running through every aspect of your business i mean you've got you Even know the french the striped t-shirts, the striped he hasn't t-shirts. Got his on the <laughs> I, I, I had it on earlier <laughs> you know and, and and you didn't want to get it duck dirty. and cassoulet on the shelves exactly. that, that are available for people to mm. buy as well and it, it really brings it all full circle which is really nice um, just finally chris um, we haven't talked too much about the wines. Mm. Do you want to just tell us... So you said in your, your first medal was for your Pinot Gris Botrytis. Yeah,
2: Botrytis Pinot Gris. And, and uh, as I was saying, we produce Merlot and we produce Pinot Gris. We're not a big vineyard. We're more the size that you'd find in France, in, in parts of France, where you just have a specialist little boutique vineyard that, that produces a variety or two varieties or whatever, and that's what we, we've done. We sell all our wine from here. A um, couple of high-end restaurants locally do stock it, um, but we we basically don't wholesale. We yes. we, we sell uh, sell everything from here, um, and people are you know people come along for a wine tasting, and there's probably five or six wines that they'll try, and. They say this wine's really good. I sort of say, Well, of course it is, but you know, but they seem surprised. And and, you know, in the early days of the Southern Highlands, a lot of the wines down here were pretty ordinary because the winemakers weren't people did it as a bit of a hobby and thought they knew what they were doing. But now, the quality of the winemakers down here are excellent, And, and we don't physically make the wine on site we take it over to a little contract winery and we specify how we want it and get involved in the process and uh, maybe a little bit of blending and and it um, yeah, we've, we've, we've got a pretty good following and pretty good um, we're proud, proud of what we've done, actually. I, I think it's far better than we ever expected when we started out.
3: Well, we didn't expect to have a restaurant. No. We <laughs> thought we were going to be serving little bits of food with wine tasting. Yeah. Didn't ever dream that it yeah. would... And weddings, they just weren't on the agenda at all yeah. until recently. Yeah. And
2: we, we get really good reviews, too. I mean, The
3: TripAdvisor are blowing us away. Yeah, that's
2: we're, great. We're, yes. we're frightened that we, we're going to get a bad one, and every now and again you get somebody that's not... I don't know. Don't quite understand it, but I think we've had about one poor review, and about everyone else has been sort of four and a half, five stars, which is you know terrific. Pretty good,
3: consistently.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's the whole experience as well. I mean, it's not. It's not just the food. It's being able to sit out here, as I said to you just before. It's so peaceful out here on a summer morning, just to be able to look out into the green fields. You've got cows cows in the background and fresh vegetables and flowers growing lavender mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing and you yeah, know, it's a whole experience you yeah, taste some wine it,
2: and... it is and it's it's pretty unique there's nothing much like this down here i mean the other institutions are, are, are sort of i think a bit sterile
3: yes a bit purpose built yeah and ours has just grown with existing old buildings too
1: yeah that's great and it's yeah, as you say, it's unique. I mean, you've got a, a barn there that's full of old European antiques. That was going to be
3: bulldozed, that, bar, that, that oh, produce store. That would have been criminal. Gave me, they gave me a week to get it down and out. Bulldozers are moving in, and let me see. He said, yeah, five days, the bulldozers are coming, coming in next Monday. <laughs> and we got it down. It took us two years to put it up because we had to go through the council. But it's here. And still people walk up the drive sometimes, and they say oh, that's where it went to. <laughs> we knew it had gone somewhere, but we didn't know where. <laughs> and, and
2: for those people that are of the age, it, it was actually used as the film set in Bar- when it was in Barrel for Ginger Meggs, the movie. And, <laughs> and now all the people, a lot of people from Barrel who now would be in their 60s were little kids at that time and they were used as extras in the movie. And every now and again we get someone coming out You know, (laughs) hobbling up the driveway, saying, "Oh, I was an extra in the movie," and I think seven little Australians or whatever it was they had a scene in it as well. So, it's it's got a great history.
1: Yeah, lots of stories. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you guys so much for being a part of this publication. Thanks for sitting with me today and having a chat. Um, You know, Mount Ashby Estate's a special place for a lot of reasons. You've got beautiful wines got beautiful food and you've got so many stories along with you know the antiques and the tables and 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 the french connection running through the whole thing um you know it it speaks to i guess what what's possible in the southern highlands for people if they you know are are a little bit creative and have a bit of direction and stuff Mm -hmm. um so thank you guys so much for being a part of it and yeah look forward to see what happens in the future thank you ladies and gentlemen for joining us for this episode of the quicksand food connection i hope you enjoyed my conversation with chris and sally from mount ashby estate i really enjoyed talking to them and if you want to find out more about mount ashby you can find them online at mountashby.com.au. they're also mount ashby on facebook if you want to find out more about quicksand publishing or quicksand food you can visit us online at quicksandfood.com or you can find us on facebook and instagram at quicksand food if you're interested in downloading all the episodes of the southern highlands cookbook editions of the quicksand food connection then please go to our website quicksandfood.com where you can find all the details thanks so much for listening
0: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands.